From Washington, this is the Macrocast, a podcast brought to you by Penta and Markets Policy Partners. Good morning. It's Friday, September 30th, and you're listening to the Macrocast, brought to you by Penta and Markets Policy Partners. I'm Matt McDonald, president of Penta, filling in for Tony Fratto. I'm joined, as always, by John Fagan and Brendan Walsh from Markets Policy Partners. If you if you haven't listened to the other yeah, what the uh, heck Penta, is Penta? Penta podcast this week, you may be asking what the heck is going on. <laughs> if you've been watching the markets this week, you may be asking what the heck is going on, which we will talk about. But just to clear the decks is uh, over the past year, Hamilton Place Strategies has been um, joining with a number of other firms uh, to build a data and intelligence-driven stakeholder solutions platform. That platform launched this week as Penta. We're very excited about it. And uh, But for all of our lawyer listeners, the macrocast is going nowhere. So you can still tune in every Friday to to get your fix. Um, And I know everybody's going to be tuning in this Friday because it has been, we've been busy at Penta, but the markets have also been busy. John, do you want to take it away and give the the recap of of what's been happening in Bonnie Old England? <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks, Matt, and congratulations on uh, on the exciting developments in Penta and uh, and your leadership uh, of, of this. It's really exciting, and uh, and I know you guys have uh, just pulled as a team together and worked so hard uh, to accomplish it. So it's a, a tremendous, a really tremendous, and uh, looking forward to seeing all of and learning more about all of what you're going to achieve um, as Penta. So uh, thank you. Thank but, you. Yeah. So this week, yeah, we've, it seems like uh, we've had a, this, this, this week has seemed like kind of a month uh, long week in markets um, an eternity. We began the week uh, at last Friday. If we flash back to last week's macro cast, we were uh, heaping, uh, uh, you know, criticism on the uh, UK government plan, the unfunded tax cuts, which followed quickly on the heels of the massive uh, home energy and heating uh, 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 basically capped prices slash massive household and business bailout uh, in the face of a cost of living, cost of doing business crisis. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not an easy job, uh, but uh, that uh, Prime Minister uh, Truss has walked into, uh, but you can you it, it's hard to look at the uh, the outcomes that we saw over the past week and say that they're handling this uh, in the optimal fashion. We uh, markets were uh, verging on disorderly uh, at the uh, end of last week following the announcement of the budget. And uh, and this is coming after the uh, you know hot on the heels of the Fed's 75 basis point rate hike the previous Wednesday, which was accompanied by extremely hawkish. Uh, increases in their uh, estimated uh, rates projections, aka the dot plot, uh, which had obviously uh, unsettled uh, bond markets, global bond markets, and uh, and moved the dollar into uh, even even higher twenty uh, year highs, um, and uh, and so the stage was really set for this. Uh, it wasn't necessarily a foregone conclusion that the UK would be the locus of a disaster, but when the Fed doubles down. On uh, on hawkishness uh, with the dollar at a uh, at a twenty year high, you can bet that something's going to break, and uh, and 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 it was the gilt market, and uh, we wouldn't necessarily have expected that, and things accelerated uh, into uh, into uh, even further disorder earlier this week. Uh, we saw 
these jaw-dropping increases in yields, aka sell-off in the gilt market, trading like, you know, I mean, to say it was trading like an emerging market is, uh, I think, unfair to emerging markets. Um, it's trading like a, a really badly run emerging market. <laughs> Let's, you know, one thing that it's interesting, I don't feel like uh, fiscal politari- fiscal policy and monetary policy globally has been super on the same page over the past couple of years in general. It's just not clear that they've been so not on the same page as what went down in England in fairly short order. And the response, you know, is clear. Absolutely. And it was that combination of punches. I mean, you had obviously, you know, the the Fed, the dollar, the pound was, you know, hardly uh, doing great. uh, And guilt markets uh, alongside global sovereign bond uh, markets in general were in a very unsettled kind of circumstance. Uh, to receive this news, and as you as you say, you know the fiscal uh, the fiscal situation over the past few years has really been teed up by the fact that uh, you know debt service costs are very low, and you know whenever you looked at the metrics about you know the, the sort of scare stories about uh, fiscal expansion and you know runaway deficits and so forth. Uh, and uh, the the counter to that was always, well, you know, interest rates are so low, and so the debt service costs are are modest. Well, that's uh, obviously that that world is uh, is now uh, behind us, and we're into into uh, something that looks like uh, structurally different, structurally higher rates, and it's you know the uh, the the central banks are making uh, policy based on tackling inflation. Uh, in a very single-minded way, and you might argue, as we have on the macrocast, that that single-mindedness of inflation fighting uh, is uh, ignoring other factors. You know, one being that fiscal burden uh, that is uh, high and growing in a lot of cases, and growing quite quickly in the case of the. I UK. mean, the other the other piece of this that I think this that we you know it's been happening for months, and we've we've been talking about and tracking, but I think this really set it off is just you know, the Fed uh, impact of Fed policy across the entirety of the world and what the strengthening of the dollar has done to other economies and all the rest of it. I mean, this is stuff that we've obviously seen some of this happen over the past several decades, but, you know, I'm mindful that the last time that we really had an inflationary environment that people think of as the Fed fixing inflation was late 70s, early 80s, when globalization was not where it is today. And it does, you know, the the global impact of Fed policy is an order of magnitude different today than it was in the past. And the feedback loop effect of um, how that may weaken other economies in a, in a global scenario is is just different than it has been in the past. Do you, do you all get the sense that the Fed is is actively thinking about that? How are they approaching that question? There's no evidence that that has been a significant consideration in their policy making up until maybe just this week, right? When you have essentially a near meltdown in UK financial markets, that gets through to uh, policymakers in in a way that you know, average and within the normal bounds of market activity, uh, kinds of uh, sell-offs don't. And uh, and so, you know, the 
the the fact that the Bank of England had to step in uh, and uh, and restart purchases of government bonds in order to save the pension funds. Uh, and we can get a little bit into the mechanics of that. But, you know, essentially, the pension funds were going to be making margin calls uh, and uh, and had the potential to topple over. And so when you have a, you know, a central bank that is hiking, you know, is set to hike rates and is buying bonds, that's like driving with your foot on the gas and the brake at the same time. It's not uh, it's a great way to ruin your engine. And uh, and it's a very challenging thing for monetary policy to stay coherent in that kind of environment. The Fed. Uh, this week, uh, Fed speakers have come out, you know, while the headlines have said, you know, the Treasury Department and White House are engaging with the UK, trying to, you know, get them to change course or moderate some of the spending and fiscal plans and that sort of thing. The Fed has been, for the most part, you know, singing exactly the same tune, you know, talking about how aggressive they need to be and where inflation, you know, and we got some inflation numbers this morning, which, you know, in it, all else being equal would support that sort of hawkish bent. But we did have San Francisco Fed President Daly and uh, Chicago Fed President Evans coming out this weekend talking about like, you know, we've got to be careful about overdoing it. Yeah, you think? <laughs> oh, but John, you made a point there that I didn't realize. So the UK doesn't have to do all these tax cuts. This is a this is a choice on their part. They could just not do it. <laughs> I think in the UK, they call that an own goal. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Brendan, you've been quiet so far, but I didn't know you weren't paying attention at all. I mean, come on. <laughs> John is a um, better summarizer of uh, what's going on. Especially what, uh, things are annoying. I get annoyed. <laughs> yeah, um, I feel like we're, we're producing a lot of own goals. What do, you, do you guys, I mean, I've, I've, I've seen comment, I mean, at least the, the articulation over, I mean, the defense of this is that this is really a market problem fixing the plumbing type of thing, as opposed to some, as opposed to really driving with your uh, gas and brake. It's I, it's shifting gears, or I don't know. It's like changing oil <laughs> while you're driving. I don't know what what the right analogy is, but do you guys does that does that uh, does that explanation bear out for you guys or are you kind of skeptical of that? Well, I mean, you can make a distinction between, you know, a quanti- restarting quantitative easing, which is not really what they did, but a, you know, an open market operation where they came in to still the waters, the very choppy waters in their bond market. But, you know, I think it, you know, the the expectation is that, you know, there's a, there's a continuum between these things and, you know, it can continuous need to do open market operations <laughs> like where does that cross line into essentially like a QE program we've seen this kind of gray area before and you know the markets have now marked up the expectation for uh, interest rate hikes i mean at one point earlier this week there was an expectation that the bank of england at its next meeting would have to go 150 basis points and so that really it, and, it, and that's in a reaction to the idea that they do now have a foot on the gas so to speak in terms of the uh, the stimulative effects of uh, of buying assets and and but also to try to stabilize uh, the currency and that's a, you know a classic emerging market motif your currency weakens while your bond yields go up and so the uh, essentially the central bank has to chase that and raise rates even faster to try to stabilize and it's a a, a very negative feedback loop uh, for the economy in particular and uh, and so 
No, that's the the pound has rebounded a little bit after, you know, it was down almost 8% versus a dollar to record lows. It has retraced some of that. Uh, but, you know, this morning, the news was that uh, Prime Minister Truss uh, and her economic team met with the budget office, came out of there and said, nope, we're sticking with the plan. Uh, and, uh, you know, no, no change, full speed ahead. Nothing to see here. Cheery on, cheerio, carry on, <laughs> and so forth. And uh, and the pound is predictably back down. Uh, so it's it's not at all clear that this is entirely behind us. And with the Fed, you know, forging ahead, all indications for a continued breakneck pace uh, and maybe even more hawkish. Who knows? You know, given given what we saw this morning, then uh, you know the the pressure is on. And it's not just the UK. Uh, China intervened in the currency to stabilize it. Uh, we've seen that in another couple of uh, Korea and other places. Um, so it's not exactly, you know, just uh, isolated. It's easy to just say, oh, well, the UK blew it. The government blew it. But this is a really global uh, pressure. With that with that happy context, let's let's take a quick break and come back and talk a little bit about uh, where the rest of the world is on this stuff where and where the, the real economy is as well. Every two weeks, Penta measures U.S. adults feelings and expectations toward the economy. The Civic Science Economic Sentiment Index, powered by Penta, accurately measures movements in overall national economic sentiment and provides a more sophisticated alternative to existing economic sentiment indices. To learn more, contact us at pentagroup.co. Okay, we're back with the macrocast. John, you mentioned China. Let's talk about China for a second. I mean, they... There's been a lot of talk. I mean, I forget when Evergrande hit initially, but, um, you know, China's been on its own journey as well in terms of like continuing with very restrictive um, COVID policies that have been an economic drag. They went through their phase of cracking down on their technology companies. They're having a real estate blow up at the moment. You've got you continue to have, you know, I would say that the um, the exercise with Russia and Ukraine gave some multinationals some pause about, you know, potential like longer term risk in China that they may not have contemplated before. You saw news recently that Apple is shifting some of their production, all of that in the context of the coming, um, what is it, five year party Congress, I guess. Uh, that is just around the corner for a, uh, you know, unprecedented extension for um, Xi on this stuff. Um, What's what is going on over there? Yeah, this is a this is a problem that's been a long time in the making. You know, the first discussions about China is going to have a debt problem and blow up. Uh, Brendan and I were still at the hedge fund and uh, I was (laughs) I was in China in 2010. Uh, and uh, there were already discussions about that. They were canceling meetings with the finance ministry uh, when uh, groups of investors were asking, um, you know, inconvenient questions about the size and the sort of fiscalization. Like China, after you can you can make the claim, and I think it's supportable that China's massive fiscal stimulus after uh, two thousand. Uh, after the global financial crisis, late 2008 into 2009, was one of the things that really saved, saved the world. Um, but you know, one of the reasons that it has this legacy problem that's kind of so complex is because they really, they they essentially used the private or the state banks and even the private banks to some extent as the conduit of that fiscal spending. They told the banks to go out and lend. Which made, you know, at the time it made sense, which is, hey, you guys are closer to the customers. You know what 
loans to make that are going to be good and that sort of thing. But just with the sheer volume of money going out the door, that was going to end up with legacy debt problems. It's not, you know, it's not federalized, so to speak. It really is spread out. And the central government has been very unwilling to wholesale kind of take on those bad debts of the big state banks and of the provinces, the local government financing vehicles that have done a lot of those loans. And so the Beijing's, you know, Beijing's uh, uh, told them to do it. And then it's now telling them to clean up the problem. So this is, you know, and they've had successive waves of, you know, when the economy has slowed down, they've hit the gas again in terms of credit. So we've seen this, you know, again and again over the past, uh, you know, decade plus. Uh, but, you know, in recent years and under President Xi, he has tried pretty strenuously to, you know, stop that cycle. And, uh, you know, it's a road to nowhere. Um, and uh, and so he has, you know, they 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 have essentially abandoned their growth targets. Um, they have decided to take some of the pain, realize some of the losses. It's now in smaller banks and, you know, property companies that aren't necessarily as systemic and can go to the wall. You know, the bigger ones like Evergrande that are totally wobbly, you know, obviously losses are going to be crystallized there. But the government is making sure that they're still, you know, that the home buyers are not taking a beating because that turns into a political problem. And that political problem is manifest in this, you know, you've heard the stories of the mortgage boycotts and that sort of thing. It's not something that is very predictable um, and it's very novel kind of protest, so to speak, but Beijing can't possibly be uh, happy about that kind of development. Do they have the wherewithal to forestall like a market seize up? Um, You know, we saw this kind of really problematic price action in the renminbi in 2015 and 16 and it resulted in what they called at the time the shanghai consensus the g20 in shanghai and uh, uh and at the time fed chair yellen and a bunch of the others went over there and uh and came out with almost like a coordinated you know easing off easing off the uh the tightening cycle and uh and you know trying to calm global waters and that sort of thing there doesn't appear to be any sort of coordination like that uh, these days, it's sort of every central bank for itself. Um, and, uh, you know, with the Fed charging ahead at the breakneck pace of tightening that it has chosen uh, and uh, and putting currencies like the renminbi at the lowest level since 2008. <clears throat> this is not a great sign uh, for China. They have the ability to keep things from kind of, you know, the, it's it's more likely to be ice than fire because, you know, a long slow realization, these legacy debts drag on economic vitality um, and, uh, and they're going to just keep missing growth targets. And that's, you know, that's a, that's a long slog and it's a, it's a pretty dismal kind of medium to longer term view, but that's the reality. It's better than, you know, a great kind of shock therapy, which Beijing is, is definitely not <laughs> going to favor. Yeah. The, uh, the the continual missed targets in in consulting they call that the hairy back where like the curve is supposed to be keep going up but it just goes flat and you keep oh like it's <laughs> over time it gets it gets it gets real ugly it's appropriately um, gross imagery for that yeah <laughs> well it's that's that is it is appropriate um yeah and i mean why don't we complete our tour of the <laughs> the world with eu where well, Russia is doing their latest uh, staged vote, I guess, for annexation. Um, what's going on in Germany? Yeah, uh, so Germany is really all about the, you know, they're enmeshed in this furious stagflationary battle 
where you have uh, the German inflation rate came in 10%. No one wants to see double digits. Germans, uh, the, the Bundesbank and the Northern Europeans on the European Central Bank are pushing for another 75 basis point increase at the next uh, at the next meeting. The euro is way below parity with the dollar, you know, 20 year lows for the uh, for the single currency and really like no relief in sight. We saw this week the explosions um, that uh, that basically took out Nord Stream one and, uh, you know, all kinds of uh, all kinds of speculation about that. But, uh, you know, the the reality is Germany and Europe uh, are going to have to be without Russian gas uh, for the most part and, and Russian oil. And that's that's it. This is the big winter. Right. I mean, Putin has, you know, time is not on his side. Everybody's seen the comically and grimly comic call up of uh, of, you know, of these these poor cannon fodder type um, reinforcements here. And uh, and things are not going his way on the ground in Ukraine, clearly. And this is the winter where he needs the West to buckle. And he needs the West to be so cold and frigid and, you know, and just if we get through this winter, I agree with the view that he's lost just an enormous amount of leverage. And so it's not surprising to see him absolutely pulling out all the stops and, uh, you know, is in the face of that is is it the right policy? And we've debated this before. Is it the right policy to to, you know, drive your economy into a ditch if you're a central banker, uh, you know, what is the right, but you've got 10% inflation, what do you do? Um, and uh, Putin knows that this is a big, uh, that this is exactly the quandary uh, that he's putting them in. It's, it's you know, doesn't make it any easier. What, what about, uh, I mean, we've talked, a, we've talked a fair bit about Fed policy, but where, I mean, where is the, uh, we got GDP numbers in this week, right? Um, and even as we go, I mean, boy, it does seem like the, uh, some of the drivers of inflation that we have talked about over the past year are really easing off. Um, you know, labor market accepted, but, but you've seen real collapses in shipping costs and kind of shipping. You've seen, Gas prices decline off their highs. Energy prices decline off their highs. So there are there are parts of this that at least uh, back when we were talking transitory, the parts that were supposed to be drivers of transitory do seem to have dialed off. Even though um, you know last measures of inflation, which were a while back, remained elevated. Um, where is there a is there differing views in the market in the Fed of kind of where the direction of travel is for the U.S. economy and and inflation because it does feel like I don't know it feels like a little bit of like the Fed is is doing as much kind of credibility restoration as they are kind of managing actually where this all lands. Yeah, and they're honestly even saying that we have to keep tightening um, to to maintain our credibility. Like they said that out loud. Um, the risk is that it comes down to housing, where housing is the largest component of, of the CPI, um, and obviously still a large part of the PCE. But the way that they measure it is very, very backward looking. Uh, it's also a six month rolling average. So those prices, are, and it's measured on how much you can rent your house for, not how much your house is worth. Those prices are remaining elevated because they they came down so much during the pandemic um, when everyone moved out of the major cities. So it's a it's a screwed up measurement anyway, um, and it's going to remain elevated for the next uh, few months. 
it will start coming down in in the beginning of 2023 but that might that would be too late they probably would have already over tightened by that the problem is we have real-time data that showed um that that rental prices came off in um in august we also have real-time data that shows that housing prices came down in august and september so they're, they're looking at very very backward measurements of inflation uh, while ignoring the deflationary environment that most of um, the components of the CPI are actually in, but it's going to take the CPI a long time to capture that. I mean, where where does that leave everything? I mean, the the how does the markets are? It basically feels like the markets are kind of splitting the difference between a Fed that seems determined to continue raising rates and economy that feels ready to buckle under buckle is too strong a word, but but an economy that it, where the inflation is coming off, the growth is coming off. Um, I mean, how, how do the markets see where, where this is going to land? I think the markets are going to be a big factor. So it, interesting, we, we also have a big gap um, in, in meetings. So the December meeting is late. So we'll get three more CPI prints uh, before they have to make their, their next decision. We'll also get, you know, two to three more of everything in that time frame jobs numbers and uh and growth numbers um and we just got the chicago pmi print which came down to 45.7 so the the housing market i mean the uh the employment uh market is is still holding up strong while a lot of the 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 forward looking growth indicators are are now in contractionary territory but it's also dangerous to look just at the housing market because I mean, the uh, employment market, because the labor market was so skewed by by COVID, we don't necessarily can't compare pre-COVID numbers to, to post-COVID numbers, especially in terms of the slack in the economy. Now, John, earlier when we were talking off camera, you, you made a, a, an interesting point on that front. Yeah, I mean, there's just like a, you know, the, the sense that the sense that the Fed's um, you know, they, they know that this operates with a lag. They're looking in the in the rearview mirror at, you know, Paul, at inflation numbers that came in last month. But when you're looking at like any market based gauge of inflation expectations or the expectations that are coming through in the New York Fed survey, you know, they keep talking about how, you know, they're they're very worried about expectations. The 10 year break, even the key market based gauge of inflation expectations is down to two point two percent. That's lower than it was in 2001. Yeah. And, and these are collapsing. And, uh, you know, when you look at the, uh, you know, when you look at the, the ways in which um, the surveys we're going to get University of Michigan surveys, all of these uh, expectations metrics are coming down. So, you know, I understand that, you know, they, they want a message. And if they if they want to, you know, they're obvious, there seems to be like they, they want to overdo the messaging so that everybody like really takes them seriously. But at the same time, you know, you've got to acknowledge that things are going in the right direction. Uh, And also you can read that. So you can read it one of two ways is that the market is giving the Fed credibility that they'll bring down inflation. But I think it's it's actually even farther. The the Fed actually doesn't think the Fed is credible. They think that the Fed is going to drive us into recession, which is going to drive down inflation. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's incredible. Yes. Yes. And, And that's exactly what, you know. That's what the, the stock market is in very recessionary. The two two ten year the bond market clearly with the inversion. It's the deepest inversion since like the eighties, right? The, well, there is they've the, been blaring, and now like and more that's and more, 
a long time now. Yeah, this is more and more CEOs are coming out and saying, you know, yesterday it was Meta and Apple, you know, preparing for uh, preparing I for a downturn. There um, is that. Uh, I mean, the if you go back during the '80s breaking of inflation, there was that period where the Fed let off, and then inflation ramped back up, and then they had to ramp back up too. So it it. I, I don't know how much that's factoring into the thinking, but you can tell that they just want to do this once and be done with it. I guess so. I, they keep they keep saying that, like, oh, we don't want to we don't want to ease yeah. off. You're not easing off. You're going from 75 to 50. Yeah. You're going yeah. from like fifth gear yeah. and driving yeah. straight into a wall to like cutting. fourth gear and being yeah. able to yeah. make the curve. Right. Well, I, mean, I think. Yeah. Like, come I, on. Yeah. I um. I mean, the interesting thing is that it wouldn't surprise me if there's a if when when it dials back from the current strong language, if it's not a similar, I mean, you guys remember that, that uh, I forget when it was, it was like the winter or spring where uh, the numbers came out. I mean, the inflation numbers came out aggressive and they, they basically executed a messaging forecast days before the decision that, Hey, we're going to be aggressive. And it was like a complete pivot uh, from the fed. And I do kind of feel like this is going to be, I think if we get a signal that they're going to start moving from like 75 to 50 or whatever, I feel like it's probably going to be like days before the announcement is done. They're going to go, I mean, it's, you know, they're, it's like they're playing chicken with the market and they're going to go as hard as they can, as long as they can until they, until like the last second when, if they're going to make a rate change. I agree with that. So stay tuned, everybody. You heard it here first. Yeah. But but the, I mean, their goal is to drive down the equity market. That they've said it out loud, um, and they also say that you know it works with the lag. So, uh, but one market that doesn't really work with the lag is the housing market, and the housing market is basically it's in recession and it's entering depression territory. No, I mean, inter- like interest mortgage interest rates are what up up at around seven these days. We're we're at seven now. Uh, the, the I mean, the impact on affordability and what you have to make to afford a median home price and is yeah it's gone through the roof i mean it's a you're also going through a seasonality time where people just don't really move in the winter so the the, the numbers are just going to get worse well and you and you have like if you're sitting on a good rate you're not moving no you're not so you're going to see a, a a slowdown in not just housing um movement but also just general movement you know which is productive someone might not take that new job um because they they don't want to to lose their you know two and a half percent thirty year mortgage. Yeah. What um, guys? What do we have on tap for next week? So the big number is the the non farm payroll, uh, which will be obviously a, a, always an important data point, but especially now. Uh, and then we have uh, kind of a lot of geopolitical things. The the election down in Brazil. OPEC is already hinting that they're looking to cut uh, oil production. Um, they're playing a fun game of chicken with uh, the markets and the in the world, um, and uh, other than that, it's somewhat quiet on the on the data front. All right. Well, thanks for chatting today after a busy week. Thanks for everybody tuning in. This has been the Macrocast. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Macrocast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and share. 